This AIM Hometown Innovations podcast is sponsored by Commonwealth Engineers. Commonwealth Engineers helps communities with their most challenging water resource needs. We take a holistic approach to including technical, financing, regulatory, and operations considerations. To our existing client communities, thank you for your trust. To those we have not yet had the pleasure to work with, please contact us to discuss how we can be of assistance. Visit us at commonwealthengineers.com. Welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. This podcast is designed to offer insights, best practices, and innovative solutions for the challenges facing Hoosier cities and towns. Each edition will offer ideas and inspiration while showcasing the talent and commitment of Indiana's local leaders. Enjoy the program. Hi, and welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. I'm Jennifer Simmons with AIM. Joining us today is Jill Hoffman. Jill is the Executive Director of the White River Watershed Alliance, uh, among many of her other sustainability roles. Jill, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, you bet. Let's start with a quick overview of the White River Alliance. The name reflects a very specific area here in central Indiana. And I know we're going to talk later more broadly about water resources in a few minutes, um, but maybe a quick tutorial is in order about the Alliance. Sure. Yeah, happy to do so. Uh, We were founded in 1999, so been around for quite a while. And yeah, our mission uh, does usually revolve around a geography that is the watershed or the drainage area for the Upper White River watershed basin. Uh, That area covers uh, parts of 16 counties, and um, that's in part because it's so flat here in central Indiana. So um, those 16 counties then in our watershed make up about 1.7 million acres of land that drain to that river system and essentially provide supply for almost 30% of the state's population. So pretty big watershed, uh, lots of different users in it. And so our organization tries to uh, represent all of those users and host conversations and programs that, you know, look at water management from a lot of perspectives and then try to improve and protect it is our ultimate aim. Our board, I guess, to give you a little bit of makeup of how how we work, uh, we have a 15 member board. And um, as I mentioned, it's multi-stakeholder intentionally, which gives us, a lot of good conversation and discussion, but um, that includes people from industry, so major water users like Coca-Cola and Eli Lilly and folks like that, um, municipalities, cities and towns and counties, um, university researchers are on the board. We've got um, consultants that work with our cities and towns a lot on water projects, as well as some environmental groups. Um, and then also, of course, agriculture, the corn and soybean alliances are also on our board. So. Uh, we try to think of ourselves as a you know multi-stakeholder think tank about water. Yeah, that's great. Well, fun fact, I was looking at the map of the watershed and noticed that my childhood home and where my parents still live today is inside the watershed um, by Prairie Creek Reservoir in eastern Delaware County. So it's just amazing to think how we're all connected, right? Like, it's, yeah, uh, that's true. A lot of people in central Indiana forget there's that fourth reservoir up there, but it is really important to the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Um, I saw that the 
White River Regional Operations Initiative was awarded $20 million in ready funds. And I understand that's not necessarily connected with the Alliance, but ready is such an innovative program uh, to push forth quality of place projects in Indiana. It's an acknowledgement that um, quality of place, building quality communities, maintaining a high quality of life is important for economic development and talent attraction and growing healthy communities. So to see that they were funding a water resources project or you know, initiative, um, I thought that was a really um, interesting and positive acknowledgement that they see uh, water resources as quality of place, that they fit in that box. Um, anything to add on that? Uh, yeah, I would just add a giant exclamation point after that, <laughs> um, being that uh, water is the one thing that literally connects us all. You know, everybody's up and downstream from someone else. Um, it's a resource that, you know, is fixed in quantity. And so it's just recirculating through lots of different uses. So if you look at a community and the one next to it, you know, those those intersections are have a lot to do with water and land use. So, um, yeah, it made sense to our region to look at the White River Vision Plan because it was um, during, you know, its development, innovative, um, broad reaching, included everything you talked about, quality of life, um, talent attraction and retention, um, businesses and our economy. Um, and then just, you know, sort of our natural heritage, the, the way we like to have fun with our families or um, the experiences that kind of give us a sense of place um, have a lot to do with with water and those kinds of things in our landscape. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I wish oftentimes we'd organize ourselves uh, more frequently around our natural resources because then we could yeah. cooperatively manage them. Yeah, well, you've, uh, you've made a life's work out of this. From what I can tell, I noticed that, uh, what was it? 2021, I saw you were awarded the Sustainable Champion of the Year from the Hoosier Environmental Council. So um, this topic and this concept of thinking long-term about our resources um, is something you've been doing for a while. Yeah, certainly. I've had a pretty um, diverse career, but I grew up um, in Wisconsin, kind of jumping around on the lakes and wetlands up there. And it just grew this love for water. And then when I came to Indiana, um, I just realized, um, you know, not only how important water is to the state, I mean, we're the most economically dependent state on water in the whole country. Um, and yet it, it didn't seem that the same sort of love affair that I grew up with was happening here with that resource. And so um, yeah, I worked uh, for the state, for the Department of Natural Resources. I've worked for local conservancy districts. Um, I've worked as a consultant for quite some time and now as a nonprofit director. So um, it's it has been a journey um, and it's given me a lot of, um, I guess, just a broad appreciation and respect for how many different people we have to manage if we're going to manage water. Um, so yeah, I I love what I am doing right now, but um, it is a, it has taken me kind of away from the biology in which I was trained to more like social work and uh, <laughs> community building and that sort of stuff. So uh, yeah, I mean, our water is literally a reflection of our choices um, on our landscape and in our lives. So it's a fun place to be, to kind of be that translator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
It's interesting to think too, I'm sure you must feel this way thinking, why is this controversial? Sometimes we need, we all need water and we all should care that it is clean. Right. And we should all care that uh, we have enough. Um, so I'm sure it's frustrating, but I'm glad there are some bridge builders out there trying to thoughtfully collaborate to make all of the pieces come together because the, you know, we should all want the same thing at the end of the day. I think clean, clean, safe drinking water and plenty of it. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, you're wise to point out that sometimes there's controversy. I mean, we find ourselves often in an advocacy role and, and trying to do that by representing a lot of different interests, but um, you know, it's, it's when a resource is shared by everybody, then that's when regulation comes into place. And so, um, you know, that's often what brings about controversy. Um, but, you know, in the aim of sort of protecting it for the whole, we have to kind of keep an eye, keep an eye on, on those processes. And then, you know, we do a lot of work with our alliance to try to just educate, um, you know, and then provide additional resources where possible, whether that's grants, um, you know, or cost share type projects. But, you know, if we can incentivize people to understand um, the value of it and, and have conversation, um, then sometimes those regulations, they're more palatable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you and I were exchanging emails on this. It sounds like we're we're really on the same page in terms of the notion that understanding and doing our part to ensure Indiana has clean and sustainable water resources. Um, you know, explain in your terms, the role you believe water does play in things like place-based economic development. If you have any specific examples where, you know, you have seen that realization come to light that uh, the role it plays. Well, it's interesting because it's, you know, as we're uh, taping this, we're coming into Memorial Day weekend where a lot of people uh, tend to get out on the water. And, um, you know, we just had our brand, the first new livery launch on the river, um, Frank's livery in downtown Indianapolis. And so for a long time, the part of the river through the city um, has been concerning to people as we've had so much sewage pollution to it. So, you know, projects like the Deep Rock Tunnel that are, you mm -hmm. know, dealing combined sewers are giving us a chance to kind of reinvent how people think about those waterways. And when you do that, you see businesses like liveries pop up, you see restaurants come in along the banks, you know, we stop turning our backs to it like we yeah. have in the past and kind of using it as just a place to discharge wastewater or stormwater. So, I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's critical to our sense of place, but um, we have to balance the fact that we do still need it to discharge um, industrial and stormwater but we want to be able to recreate on it and we want it to look and smell okay. And we want it to be safe enough to drink. I mean, to be honest, uh, Indianapolis pulls about 70% of its supply from that river. Um, other communities around the state use surface water supplies. Um, and then of course, many are using groundwater supplies too, which are interconnected. So um, yeah, I mean, it is, it's, as we said earlier, sort of critical to this sense of of having healthy communities that have enough supply and enough function for industry um, and people at the same time. So, um, yeah, I mean, I when I kind of look back at how we've treated water so long and people put it in a pipe or they watch it go down a sewer and, and then it just goes away. And what we need to understand is that's the exact same water that we need to come back out the faucet then 
or to have our kids play and swim in over a holiday weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you had approached us about doing some workshops for our members on this topic. Um, Obviously, we don't have time here for a full-blown workshop, So, but just tell me a little bit or tell us about what kind of education is it that you would like to present to municipal officials? What's your message to them in a workshop or what would it be um, that you want them to take away and go back home and thinking about water? Um, I guess just to kind of build on what I was saying is to, you know, really, we know it's an asset, but we often don't treat it like an asset. So when municipal leaders are kind of inventorying all their various assets, you know, are you thinking about water? How much is coming into our municipality? How much is leaving it? How much do the industries that are based there need it? Um, you know, and so as as we grow in population, whether that's central Indiana or the state as a whole, um, you know, we have a system right now where we, as we develop, we put down a lot of hard surfaces and the water runs off of those um, into storm drains. And most of the time goes directly to our rivers and streams without much treatment at all. So it mm -hmm. collects all those pollutants and then it gets discharged almost as a waste product instead of the asset that it is. So one thing that could really help is to show some of the local officials, you know, who uses that water, you know, make a simple map of who are your significant water users. I mean, those are folks that are pulling more than 100,000 gallons of water a day, either from the ground or from the rivers. You know, who are they? So you start to understand mm -hmm. that the businesses that make your city run are dependent on this resource. And then where does the water go? What are we doing to try to get that back into the ground to recharge those underground systems instead mm -hmm. of sending it down to the Gulf of Mexico? So, mm -hmm. you know, really just um, helping them kind of mm -hmm. see the landscape that they're used to living in, um, but through the lens of water. Where are you taking it out of? Who's needing it? And then where are we putting it back and in what quality? So we can you know, thanks to GIS and some cool mapping things, you know, we can show you what those underground aquifers look like in terms of capacity. We can show you, you know, who your major users are. We can even start to look at some of the development policies, like how do you handle stormwater? Are you doing green infrastructure? You know, are you protecting your floodplains from development? Because those things all have function. And one of the largest challenges we face, you know, statewide has been the loss of our wetlands. So, those wetlands, we call them the kidneys of our of the water system. They treat trap a lot of pollution and recharge groundwater. So, you know, as we see those things disappear on the landscape from development, having our municipal leaders really understand like what is a critical resource that's worthy of protection um, in order to protect the community's economy and way of life. So, um, you know, just kind of demystifying the science of water is what mm -hmm. we would like to do more of. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that it wasn't quite taken for granted so much. I love that. I love that title. Let's remember that. <laughs> That's a, <laughs> that a great workshop title. Um, well, I mean, I think I know the answer to this just based upon our conversation, but tell me like, what keeps you up at night? Uh, I guess that is a good question. You know, um, a shifting climate gives me a lot of concern because um, we're just getting ready to host a forum on water and climate now, um, which is one of the ways we try to reach a lot of people. And, you know, the, the forecasts are difficult in that space between the mm -hmm. climate shifting and water. So more frequent floods, more intensity of those floods closer together. So that pressures our infrastructure quite a bit and puts a lot of communities at risk. So 
Um, you know, just making our communities resilient for the future is really important. Um, uh, in 2020, 2021, we finished a study with um, a group of folks, including the Indiana Finance Authority, looking at um, central Indiana's water supply. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to see more of those studies done statewide. So we're trying to work on a strategy for, for where and how we could um, get some state money pushed in that direction, because that was really eye-opening, you know. We we can see within our own region where there are some sub-basins inside our watershed that are forecasted to have a deficit as soon as 2070. Well, economic development needs a horizon longer than 2070. Right. So, um, you know, we, and it's not that we don't have enough water here. It's honestly that conversation I was having earlier about how we're managing it. You know, how are we recirculating it? How are we not treating it like it's a dischargeable waste product or that, you know, when it floods, we don't want it, but then when there's drought, we want it. Mm -hmm. We can do better to balance that system with some creative planning. And also some of these, you know, studies that really ask the question, where is this stuff, you know? And mm -hmm. so just really investing in our network, you know, our gauges on our streams, our groundwater wells and having a strategy. Uh, that's what keeps me up, I guess, is just, I wish there was a strategy that we were we were talking regionally about water and those regional conversations were rolling up into a statewide plan. Mm -hmm. ah, no, I, that's hard to argue with. Um, well, what makes you optimistic? So those are a lot of scary things <laughs> that keep you up. What are those things that make you feel good about our our future, our water future? Um, things, I guess, things that you know make me feel. Good. Um, you know, we had some legislation introduced this year, um, trying to create watershed uh, management commissions, and you know that might be a good step for framework. Um, you know, and ways to organize regionally and get people to cooperate. So mm -hmm. that's hopeful. Um, we have a couple of river basin commissions around the state, but that's not universal, and that tool for organizing isn't until this year available to everybody. So. You know, when I see legislators bringing forward stuff that looks like, hey, we need to get our act together on this super important topic, that's um, hopeful. Um, when I see our cities, you know, doing climate resiliency planning, uh, when I see them changing stormwater ordinances to uh, promote or incentivize green infrastructure, um, those things are inspiring to me. <laughs> um, you know, I just, uh, I think that um, our only... Our only way out of this is the way we got into it, which is, you know, together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, we've been hosting the Water Summit now for five years, and um, that has finally taken a shift in this last year where we started a working group. And so it's not just an event that happens every year, but we now have water professionals willing to donate their time to us, you know, every couple of months, every other month, sometimes every month. Um, working on some of these recommendations or proposals for funding to the state, um, you know, some a way that we can come at water as a full community and, and bring ideas as a community is hopeful to me. Um, you know, it, so oftentimes each person involved in, in the water sectors, whether it's utility or industry or agriculture, you know, they're going to conferences that are in their lane, right? They're going to learn mm -hmm. about technologies or BMPs are networking inside their circle, but they need to be talking to each other um, yeah. and collapsing those silos as cliche as that sounds, but um, the water doesn't care what, you know, what your gig is during the day. 
So, uh, you know, just when I see people attending the summit and I see conversations happening between agricultural leaders and utility leaders, that's mm -hmm. hopeful to me. And that's exactly where we need to be. That's great. That's great. Anything else you'd like to cover today, Jill? Um, just, I guess, just to, you know, hopefully raise awareness among, you know, your members and constituents. I mean, when I think about AIM and I think about all of the local leaders, like mm -hmm. these problems are completely solvable at the local level and oftentimes sit within the authority of your members. And so I guess just um, really hoping and wishing they would get engaged as much as possible um, in things like the Water Summit or forums that we host, or even just locally with, you know, whether they have a, a river basin commission or a soil and water district or someone that's working on these issues. Um, you know, it's uh, it, the future of all of our economic development conversations are going to be around water. Um, there's no question about that. It's um, a valuable asset. And, um, you know, I guess just giving it the attention it deserves from local leaders would be super awesome. So I just welcome any chance to talk to um, town managers, mayors, commission members, any of those folks. Um, just get them, in, get them in the conversation because I think it'll take about, you know, 10 minutes before they understand that they could make a big difference. Well, that's great. Well, let's keep the conversation going. Let's, uh, let's have those conversations and maybe this is the start of that process. I would love that. Well, thanks for joining us on the podcast, Jill, and I have a feeling we will talk to you soon. Okay, great. Take care, everybody.